0: installment of Witness to Yesterday, the podcast of the Champlain Society. My name is Greg Marshaldon and today we are going on a journey through the social and intellectual history of Canada in the first half of the 20th century. In this century, Le Duvoir was the francophone newspaper of record. Some might argue it still is. With a high intellectual and philosophical tone, it was required reading for those who took politics seriously, not only in Quebec, by those outside the province trying to understand political currents within Quebec. Founded in 1910 by nationalist Henri Bourassa, Le Devoir advocated for the political and cultural equality of French Canadians within Canada. And in subsequent decades after Barassad left the newspaper, the right of provincial self-determination by the government of Quebec. Le Devoir's head office is in Montreal, a city that grew rapidly in the first half of the twentieth century, attracting immigrants from European countries, including thousands of Jews from Eastern Europe. The city's Jewish population doubled from 30,000 in 1911 to 60,000 by 1931 and some members of the community became highly prominent in the arts, the professions, business and politics. By the 1930s, Jews were being persecuted in Nazi Germany and this raised the question of whether Canada should admit refugees fleeing that odious regime. All this became the subject of a number of editorials in Le Devoir. Pierre Anctil wrote a book entitled A Chacun C'est Joif, about these editorials six years ago. He is here to talk about the English translation of this same book entitled A Reluctant Welcome for Jewish People, Voices in Le Devoir's Editorials, published in 2019 by the University of Ottawa Press. Pierre, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's a pleasure, actually.
0: This is, in fact, your second visit to the podcast. You should know that your interview on Henri Bourassa and Conscription remains one of the most popular among our listeners, even after two years.
1: I'm glad that we're actually helping Canadians understand their history and, and sometimes rather recent history, but not always well known.
0: Can you tell us the reason behind this book? In other words, why you were compelled to write it in the first place? And what arguments and
1: perceptions were you actually responding to? Well, a number of history books appeared uh, at the end of the 20th century discussing Canadian Jewish history, um, written by uh, Anglophones in English. And I soon noticed that uh, the treatment of French Canada in these books was rather superficial, often because no French language sources were consulted. Um, As you said, as Le Devoir has a central place in Canadian history, comments were were made uh, about Le Devoir and its position vis-à-vis Jews in Canada, but often too superficially. Um, I felt that uh, this had to be uh, examined again in French, and over a long period. So an occasion presented itself in 2010, um, when Le Devoir celebrated its 100 years. So uh, I spoke to the director of Le Devoir at the time, Bernard Decoteau, and we agreed that we would publish a series of books covering the um, first 50 years of Le Devoir's history and uh, we would uh, do an anthology of the most significant editorials. While this was being done, I took upon myself to really pay attention to the Jewish issue and uh, in Le Devoir, and to uh, extract from the lot every editorial that Le Devoir had published which mentioned Jews or Judaism or immigration of Jews in Canada. Now, we're speaking of 11,000 editorials from 1910 to 1963. So that was a considerable amount. Uh, The the discussion that we're going to have today is about from 1910 to 1947. So that would reveal a great deal. And that's the context. I found... 200 editorials, over 11,000 that specifically mention Jews. So it's about 2% of the total. And that really brought forward uh, what what Le Devoir, the essence of what Le Devoir had to say about issue. You
0: seem to describe the French-Canadian and the Jewish communities in Montreal as two solitudes. Today, you're our witness to yesterday. So... Can you go back to pre-war Montreal and describe how the typical reader of Le Devoir saw the Jewish community in Montreal, and how a typical Montreal member of, let's say, the Canadian Jewish Congress perceived French
1: Canadians? Yes, it's it's a very interesting topic. Uh, first of all, as you know, uh, Anglo-British Canadians living in Montreal and Franco-Canadian. Uh, Catholics living in Montreal, were each in their own sphere often. So we often use the term two solitudes between the two and earlier to express a relationship between the French-speaking and English populations of Montreal. They stood side by side, but rarely spoke each other's language or understood the other group's prerequisites, uh, you know, pre-organized cultural notions and religious notions. When it came to Jews that began to emigrate early in the 20th century, the same phenomena appeared, this time in relation to both French and English. So very often, as Jews were recent immigrants from Eastern Europe, at a time when the uh, Tsarist Empire was still uh, existing, The connection or the amount of overlap between French Canadians and East European Jews who were Yiddish speakers was was quite minimal. First of all, Jews were not Christians, so that that raised an important barrier between the two groups. They could not be together in any sense. And secondly, by and large, could not read French, could not easily uh, have access to Le Devoir, which which level of French was, was quite complex, quite difficult. And each side stood looking at the other without the necessary passageways, with, without the necessary uh, understanding, mutual understanding, that would have made things easier.
0: I very much enjoyed reading your sweeping 74-page introduction. It's actually a really great history of the experience of the interwar years from the First World War to the heights of the booming 20s, and then finally the lows of the Great Depression. What struck you most about this period in
1: Canadian history as seen through the eyes of Le Dvoir? The turning point was the beginning of the Great Depression. The increase in the unemployment rate The fear and, I would say, the insecurity created by this uh, very important economic downturn made relations between communities much more difficult. Uh, People became xenophobic. They were afraid of immigrants, of people not speaking their language, not praying like them, not, um, not having the same worldview. And the doors of Canada were tightly shut at the beginning of the 30s. There was very, very little immigration into Canada during the Great Depression. Maybe 10,000 people a year, maybe 1,000 immigrants each month. When we compared to today, 250,000, you can see how it immediately had an effect on how people perceived people outside the country. It immediately brought Canadians into a situation of isolation from the outside world. And so the Great Depression, the period of the 30s, was probably the moment in in the 20th century where anti-Semitism and racism and hostility to foreigners was the highest. Almost all editorials on the subjects of
0: Jews and Judaism were written by three editorialists between 1910 and 1947. Omar Heru, Georges Belcher, and Louis Dupier. Can you describe their different styles and preoccupations?
1: This is very important. Um, The editorials in the Devoir are signed, unlike, say, in the Globe and Mail. So we can follow the discourse or what's what a specific editorialist had to say over long periods. All these editorialists were assigned in editorials throughout the 30s. So we have at least several hundred for each. And they developed a very different perspective. Um, By and large, Georges Pelletier, who became the director of Le Devoir in 1932, and remained until forty-seven, presented a very firm and, I would say, uh, stable position that no Jew should be allowed in the country during the 30s, uh, that, that regardless of the tensions in Europe and the injustice of the Nazi regime. And that Canada was not a place uh, where immigrants should be welcomed, regardless of their origins. Uh, this this, of course was was in large part the fr- product of, I would say the doctrinal anti-Semitism of the Catholic Church of the period before the Council of Vatican uh, the second in the mid sixties
0: How would you describe the events in the early years of the Nazi regime and their impact if any on the editorials of Le Devoir?
1: Well, it's a complex issue, uh, but I'm speaking of the more ingrained, uh, I would say, uh, historically more rooted attitude of Catholics to Jews. When the Nazi uh, regime came in place in Germany, the um, attitude of the church evolved from uh, benign acceptance to hostility. And uh, it evolved uh, following persecutions of Catholics by the Nazis and the closing of many uh, institutions which the church directed. The Nazis had no tolerance for other forms of power and certainly wanted to control the education of young Germans. So uh, by the late 30s, the church developed a rather hostile attitude to Nazism, What I'm talking about here is the older, much earlier forms, which were passed on to French Canada in the uh, doctrine of the church, generally. This is what we find in Pelletier's editorials. That's the root of the hostility and the rejection.
0: Can you describe this older form of hostility towards Jews and Judaism?
1: Basically... The notion that Canada was a Christian country, that to accept Jews who were not Christians, obviously, and um, occupied an inferior position morally by the virtue of not being Christians, that was a problem for Pelletier Le Devoir. Uh, that that this country had Christian laws, had Christian ideals that was founded by Christians and could not accept easily or welcome or absorb non-Christians. That that could be Chinese immigrants. We know there was also hostility to Chinese immigrants. There was a a Chinese anti-Chinese, Chinese Exclusion Act in '23. And likewise, people of other Asian origins. But in the case of Jews, it was more specifically the case that they were not Christians and could not find a place. They could not be assimilated into French-Canadian society. French-Canadian society, according to Petit, was reserved strictly for those of Christian origins, especially Roman Catholics.
0: So getting back to the other two editorialists, what were their styles?
1: Omer Iroux represents another strand. It's very interesting and it's complex. He has the same perceptions as Petit, but being a nationalist, a nationalist, he has sympathy for the Jews, in an indirect way. He writes at times to say that the Jews do better than French Canadians in Canada. They they have inter-community solidarity. They defend each other. They are vocal about their demands. They, they protect their own. And we, French Canadians, he says, do not do as well. Jews also are better educated. They're more adapted to the urban life of Montreal. And we're not, he says, so there's always an ambivalence, an ambiguity, which I found. It's not an overall rejection and condemnation of Jewish presence. It's, um, it's a complex, I would say, movement from rejection to admiration, which is not something you would find in Anglo-Protestant uh, newspapers of the time. The third right. writer... uh, which is Le Pire, uh, Du Pire, sorry. Du Pire went even further. Most of his editorials were positive and sympathetic to the Jews. He says the Jews are more educated. They have a better life expectancy. They take better care of their children. And although they're recent immigrants to the country, unlike French Canadians, they have a better attitude to life, they succeed better. And we should imitate them. We should not feel that they're competing with us. We should feel that they show us the way. So Le Devoir has this complex set of three editorials moving in different directions. It's never a complete overall condemnation, nor is it an acceptation. It's like dancing and stepping in two directions at the same time, which is what I found during the 30s. And uh, as you'll see when I read one of the excerpts from Le Devoir that I've chosen today, um, actually, Le Devoir doesn't know exactly where to stand on this issue always. I mentioned that there were 200 editorials, over 11,000. That's 2%. Among these 200, which is a small number, there's half or a hundred fifty percent which are neutral or positive. So the level of condemnation is at about 50%. And most of these uh, editorials condemning Jews are from Pelletier, and they were written at the end of the 30s. After Kristallnacht, which is November 1938, when the uh, Nazis burned 200 synagogues in all of Germany and imprisoned thousands of people, Jews. So, m- for most of the period, I found very little. So, I would say that actually, what made Le Devoir react the most was the persecutions of Jews in Germany and the refusal to accept German Jews as immigrants to Canada at the time.
0: And for some of our listeners, would you describe some of the discrete events in the, uh, particularly the early years of the Nazi regime, just before Kristallnacht, just describe their impact, if any, on the editorials? Because I note that the editorials were often a response to those events. So it would be good if our uh, listeners could know what those discrete events were.
1: Well, when Hitler came to power in January 1933, there was a great deal of discussion Le devoir about who this man is. What does it represent? French Canada is at a great distance from Germany. It has strong connections with France, and it has a good knowledge of Great Britain because of the British system of governance that Canada had. But Germany is something that French Canada, and I would say even English Canada, had little contact with historically. Few people could read German. Few people understood the mode of governance of the Weimar Republic. And so for a while, Hitler was looked at uh, as if this was something difficult to decipher. Who is Hitler? Where is he from? What does he represent? And it's not until the 30s, late 30s, it's not until 37 and 38 that we get a better understanding, in that finally the Devant realizes that Hitler is a dictator, that he oppresses people violently, as a ruthless attitude to his opponents politically, and that Germany does not have freely published newspapers, no media that is outside the control of the Nazi state. This is something that is important for Le Devoir. Pelletier, at the end of 37, condemns both Mussolini's Italy and Hitler's Germany as unacceptable dictatorships, and feels that the Canadian regime is much better in this respect because, as journalists, they're free to publish basically what they want in Le Devoir, as we saw with Pelz with Bourassa in 1917 during World War One and the conscription issue. So there's as an acceptance and then the, uh, I would say, an appreciation of what a democratic country is and 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 how it should react react to to uh, to the. Um, free press. And so French Canada finally realizes this in the mid-late 30s. Also, and this is quite important, Pope Pius XI publishes in March 1937 an encyclical condemning Nazi Germany. This is very important uh, because when the Pope says something encyclical, Catholics have to obey this and have to behave according to the position of the Pope. So by condemning Nazi Germany in thirty-seven because of the persecutions that Hitler had uh, conducted against uh, Catholics, all of French Canada then rejected Nazism. There are very few exceptions. One is Adrien Arcan and his newspapers, but by and large, the church and those who are connected with the church in French Canada, as such as the Devoir, begin to depict um, Nazi Germany in, in very dark colors in, by the late 30s.
0: One of the great strengths of your book is that you reproduce 60 of these editorials exactly as they were written and translated from the original French. How did you go about selecting
1: them? I'm, I would like to compliment, by the way, and say uh, that uh, by and large, uh, this was a very difficult translation, first of all, because the level of language has changed. This is 80 years ago. and Antonio Neu has done those translations and he has done an excellent job. And these editorials are difficult to read for someone who does not have a high level of understanding of French. And this is in part why uh, they were not studied with a great deal of attention. Now that they're in English, I hope that uh, most uh, readers uh, in Canadian Jewish Studies will, will have access to them. How were they selected? Well, I decided out of 200 to do 60 according to a number of themes. I wanted to cover all the important themes and to make sure that uh, we we had a good understanding of how Le Devoir covered most elements. So for instance, uh, there's editorials on immigration in general, not taking account of Jews. Then about Jewish immigration. These are the early editorials of the 20s. And then the issue of Jewish immigration to Canada by the time that Hitler comes to power is dealt with in specific uh, um, chapters. I also uh, covered Kristallnacht, how did Le Devoir react to Kristallnacht in To the Holocaust, news of the Holocaust in the uh, early 40s. How did Le Devoir react to Canadian Jewish Congress and uh, the campaigns? that it uh, decided to conduct uh, against anti-Semitism, buy from your own, la Chachinou, Uh, the influence of Jews in Montreal, how was it perceived by Le Devoir, the uh, success of Jews in Montreal, and um, how was Palestine under the British mandate uh, understood? And uh, that covers... Mostly, I would say most of the themes, there's 18 different themes. So according to this, I would take three or four of the best editorial in each of the 18 themes and come close to 60.
0: Can you read a couple of the paragraphs in this editorial to allow our listeners to witness for themselves the nature of these editorials?
1: Yes, there's a very interesting editorial which is written a few days after Kristallnacht. So Kristallnacht was uh, the night of November 7 to November 8. This editorial is November twenty sixth, by Georges Pelletier, precisely the most hostile of the three. And you will see, this is only a very short uh, uh, excerpt, you will see how he goes from sympathy to antipathy. Um, it's an editorial entitled, In the Case of the German Jews, The Star Talks Nonsense. That's the Montreal Star. So we're beginning. Anyone with the least bit of humanity, regardless of his sentiments towards Jews here and elsewhere, cannot remain indifferent to the methodical acts of brutality suffered by the German Jews. A truly strong, civilized, and Christian nation does not hound, for whatever reason, shopkeepers, merchants, small or mid-sized industrialists, professors, or professionals, does not throw them into concentration camp, does not take their property, does not strip them of their possessions, separate them from their families, and does not expatriate women, children, and old people into Complete destitution. There is no valid reason for such conduct. So that's the first half of the editorial. The second half goes like this. It's it's a very short paragraph. It's much longer in the real editorial. On the other hand, the keenest sentiment of compassion, hatred of the anti Semitic practices of the Fuhrer and his entourage, and the sincerest sympathy cannot serve as an excuse for anyone claiming to be reasonable and sensible in Canada and beyond to demand that the borders of a young country be opened wide without restrictions to foreigners fleeing their land of birth and seeking asylum and refuge elsewhere. So there we have the ambiguous and complex attitude of finding the Nazis unjust and brutal and having unacceptable behavior. But on the other hand, without being willing to let Canada serve as a haven for the refugees.
0: Pierre, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure.
1: Same for me, Greg. I I very, very much appreciate what the Champlain Society does in favor of Canadian history and I think it's, it's very important to pursue.
0: My guest today was Pierre Anctil. He is the author of A Reluctant Welcome for Jewish People, Voices in Le Dubois Editorials, published by the University of Ottawa Press in 2019. The original French-language version of the book was published under the title A Chacun in 2014. You've been listening to Witness to Yesterday, Please visit our website at www.champlainsociety.ca where you can become a subscribing member and help support the preservation and publication of documentary history in Canada. If you like what you've heard, let your friends know by forwarding this podcast through the social media of your choice. This podcast is made possible by the members of the Champlain Society who work very hard to bring to life original documents in Canadian history. We want to thank the Hudson's Bay Company History Foundation, the L.R. Wilson Institute of History at McMaster University, and a consortium of Canadian scholarly book publishers that includes the University of Toronto Press, the University of British Columbia Press, and the University of Ottawa Press. My name is Greg Marshaldon. This interview was recorded on September 11, 2020 in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: It was produced by the wonderful Jessica Schmidt.